Today on The Open Word with Pastor David Landry. Think of the battles that you're going through. Think of the battles that you've got, okay, with your own emotions. Think of the battles you've got with your own flesh. Think of the battles you've got with your own families. And I know you don't have any family battles out there. Think of that. But then put on top of that the fact that he's got these real physical battles of guys throwing spears and arrows and armies coming at him and everything else. And yet, man, he, he was drawn time and time and time again to that deeper relationship with the Lord. Now, because he had a relationship with the Lord doesn't mean that he just backed away from all these other battles. We face battles every day. In today's message, Pastor David encourages us to think about all the battles we face, including battles with our emotions, with our own flesh, and with our families. David also faced these battles, but in addition, he faced actual physical battles during war and invasions. Still, he turned to the Lord and was strengthened, encouraged, and his relationship with the Lord was deepened. Do you turn to the Lord during difficult battles? He's the only one who can help you through. Now here's Pastor David with part one of today's message from the book of Galatians chapter 5 entitled, David. going to be speaking about the man David. David, who was the second king of Israel. My disclaimer to you for that, these are not character studies on the individuals so much as it is studies on the character of the individual. The reality is, is there are particular things that we want to be looking at in these individuals, things that we can either apply to our lives or things that we want to keep away from in our lives. And last week we looked at Saul. We found a whole lot of stuff that we could keep away from in Saul's life. Tonight we're going to be looking at David. And we're also going to find in David things that we can be drawn to, things that we need to apply to our life, but also some things that we need to say, you know what, I don't want some of that in my life, and, and I need to guard my life against those things. Whenever you think of David, King David of Israel, of the Old Testament, a lot of things probably flow through your mind. Well, yes, he was a, a shepherd. Uh, we know also that he was a musician. We know that he, he was a songwriter. He, he wrote many of the psalms, the worship and the praise that we have. Uh, he was also a warrior. We know that, man, from not only uh, the taking the head off uh, uh, the, the giant, but also uh, in the other battles that he fought the Philistines all through his lifetime. So we know these things, but one of the things that we need to remember, he was more than just a, a brave shepherd boy. He was more than a talented musician and a songwriter. He was more than a mighty warrior. He was more than a conquering king. David was truly, he was truly all of those things, but he was also so much more. We look at him, and whenever people think of 
or whatever people of Israel think about David, what stands out so powerfully in their minds was the glory days of Israel. Because really, in, with, with David was when they came and really conquered the land, solidified the country much more than they had even with Saul. And though in Solomon's time, the riches of the nation increased, really it was David who brought the nation as one altogether. And for the, even the Jews today, they understand and know that it's through the line of David that their Messiah will come. Now, they don't believe, and most of them don't believe in Jesus Christ as their Messiah. They believe that a Messiah is yet to come. They do believe, though, that he'll come through the line of David. Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Would you turn there for me, please? Galatians 5, 22 and 23. Now, we look at these items, you think, well... Man, I, I can see some things in here where, you know, uh, long-suffering and kindness was not in David's life. I, I can see some things. that was Self-control. Now, wait a minute. This is David and Bathsheba. Hold on a second. I'm not saying that he's a perfect personification. Uh, how many of you ladies look at Proverbs 33 woman, or 31 woman and say, yeah, right, whatever. Uh, you know, the, the, the goal is there. The, the standard is there. What I look at in, in David's life, particularly with this Galatians 5, 22 and 23, is that these are some of the things in his life that really stand out in the long run. Not that he was perfect. He, he, he failed in every one of those. I, I do not doubt that. I don't deny that at all. But yet, when we look at David's life, we see in him a life that desires God's hand and God's presence in his life and David was a true worshiper and these things the the fruit of the spirit are things that come out of the life of a and and and, and I can't emphasize this too strong a true worshiper and we'll explain that a little bit more as we go here was a man of, of, like I said, a great passion for God. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul uh, speaks concerning David, in, and you can just write this down. I'll read it for you. In Acts 13, verse 22 and 23, uh, Paul tells how God had raised up for Israel David as king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, who will do all my will. And then Paul goes on to say that it was from this man's seed, according to the promise that God raised up for Israel, a Savior, Jesus. We see in David's life that he was quick to recognize that it was the Lord who upheld him against all of his enemies, both external and internal. We're going to be going through some psalms at this time. So flip on over to the book of psalms, and uh, I'll give you some verses to read as uh, we go through these. The first one I'll read for you as you're uh, getting there. Again, this idea of, of the Lord being with him against all of his enemies. In Psalm 17, verse 5 through 8, we read how David cries out to the Lord, Uphold my steps in your paths, that my footsteps may not slip. I've called upon you, for you will hear me, O God. Incline your ear to me and hear my speech. Show your marvelous loving kindness by your right hand, O you who save those who trust in you from those who rise up against them. 
Keep me as what? As the apple of your eye and hide me under the shadow of your wing. What a great word picture that is. David truly had, I believe, not only a, 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 a personal gift of being able to put his thoughts into these psalms, but I believe a spiritual gift that the Lord gave him to be able to put these things that, that have been so powerful for all of these ages. The next one we're going to look at is in Psalm chapter 9. One of the things, another thing that we know is throughout his life, he saw that both during good times as well as in, in bad times, in the easy times as well as in all of the hard times, through pleasure, through pain, that God was his ever-present help that God was his refuge in all of these things. Psalm 16 speaks about how he understood that it was God who was the fullness of his joy. As we read these things, I want you to understand that this is a guy who, as he's writing these things, either in, in his younger days, some of them were written, we know, in his younger days, some of them written in his older days, many of them written as just, uh, again, a, a young adult who was also a warrior. Some of these written while he was running from Saul, again, trying to save and preserve his life while Saul was trying to kill him. And you, and you look at the beauty and the intensity of that, and you think you, you've got to understand, you've got to remember, this is a man's man that's writing these things. I don't think any of us would have said, ah, yeah, you're just one of those guys, you know, a little, a little artiste guy. No, David, David was a warrior. You're not going to go against this guy. But yet God had gifted him with this way of being able to describe this relationship that he had with God because it was real in his life. He knew that it was God who was his strength and his shield. This is a guy who is in battle most all of his life. The enemy was real physical battle, but you know what? He had some of the same battles in the in the emotions and and, and in the flesh that you and I have. So just kind of think for a moment with me if you would. Think of the battles that you're going through. Think of the battles that you've got okay with your own emotions. Think of the battles you've got with your own flesh. Think of the battles you've got with your own families. And I know you don't have any family battles. Uh, think of that. But then put on top of that the fact that he's got these real physical battles of guys throwing spears and arrows and armies coming at him and everything else. And yet, man, he, he was drawn time and time and time again to that deeper relationship with the Lord. Now, because he had a relationship with the Lord doesn't mean that he just backed away from all these other battles. I love, and you, you'll get it in a minute, but I love Psalm 58. And uh, I'm, I'm going to read that one for you. Uh, Psalm 58, verses uh, 1 through 11. Do you indeed speak righteousness, you silent one? Do you judge uprightly, you sons of men? No, in heart you work wickedness. You weigh out the violence of your hands in the earth. The wicked are estranged from the womb. They go astray as soon as they're born, speaking lies. Their poison is like the poison of a serpent. They're all, they're, they are like the dead cobra, that, or the deaf cobra that stops its ear which will not heed the voice of charmers, charming ever so skillfully. Break their teeth in their mouth, O God. 
Break out the fangs of the young lions, O Lord. I love that verse. I just, I, okay, it's just it's like one of those personal verses I've taken for life. Okay. Uh, verse 7. Let them flow away as waters which run continually when he bends his bow. Let his arrows be as if cut in pieces. Let them be like a snail which melts away as it goes. Like a stillborn child of a woman that they may not see the sun before your pots can feel the burning thorns. He shall take them away as with a whirlwind, as in his living and burning wrath. The righteousness shall re- or the righteous shall rejoice when he sees the vengeance. He shall wash his feet in the blood of the wicked, so that men will say, Surely there is a reward for the righteous. Surely he is God who judges in the earth. He knew that God was a vindicator too. And because of that, he could trust God. You understand what, I, what I'm trying to say in this is not so much the, the, the fact of, hey, I want you to go destroy somebody, God, but the fact that when things come against us, I can trust God to take care of it. I don't have to be the vindicator. I don't have to be my own defense. Let God be your defense. Let God be your vindicator. He'll do a lot better job and a lot more balanced job than you will anyway. That way, rather than being eat up inside, I can just lay these things before God. Say, God, you are my defense. Not only my strong shelter and my my mighty tower and my shield, but Lord, you are my vindicator. David understood that in, in, in the midst of every storm, every battle that he had, that the Lord was always present right beside him. The most popular psalm of all psalms, Psalm 23. Turn there if you would, please. And again, this isn't just some guy in a high tower writing poetry. This is a guy who is experiencing every bit of this thing. He says, the Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. He makes me to lie down in in green pastures, and he leads me besides the still waters. He restores my soul. And he leads me in the paths of righteousness for his name's sake. And yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I, I fear no evil. But the fact is, is if we ha- really had the fullness of that concept in our life that God is just surrounding me. He's just, man, he's just overwhelming me with his presence. Who can stand against me? What evil can they do? My God, God is for us. Who can be against us? If we really have that concept, we can walk through that valley of the shadow of death and fear no evil. And, and I've, I've shared with you before the story of Stonewall Jackson. I, I, I love the story of his, his deep abiding faith in the Lord. He says, you know what? I believe that the Lord is totally in charge of my life. And that really and truly that nothing can harm me unless the Lord desires it. And if the Lord desires it, then why would I work? That's why he was the kind of warrior that he was. That he would take his horse during the Civil War and ride just right out in front of his armies while cannon fire and bullet fire are going all, all over. And he was just out there. And man, what a, what a charge that was for his men. Whoa, look how brave he is. We can join in with that. We can walk in that. And you know what? The testimony of your life in Christ encourages others. When you're able to stand in the midst of all the garbage that I know you're going through, 
And you can give a great testimony of, of, again, man, even in the midst of this thing, I knew that God was with me. I knew that he would not fail me. Oh, this happened and this happened. But you know what? I can trust God still in the midst of that. Yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. A table means a place of a place of leisure, uh, a place of refreshment and and renewal. You're right in the presence of his enemies. You anoint my head with oil, and again that that refreshing that comes with that. My cup runs over. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life, and I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Beloved, I believe that more than anything else, as much of a warrior as David was, as, as great of a king as David was, David was a man with a true heart of worship. Even in his failings, David was a man who sought God deeply and consistently. And I say all that to bring you up to this point. David had a ton of faults. Amen? If you've ever done any kind of a study or reading of David, David, a man after God's own heart, David, the apple of God's eye, David, the great king of Israel, the one that all uh, of, of Israel and all Jews look as, as the great and glorious king, yes, even he had his faults. And when I say that he is a personification of Galatians 5, 22 and 23, it's with full understanding of these faults. A critical look at David reveals David's entire life, both as an individual and as a king. And it was riddled with both victories as well, and conquests, as well as failures and defeats. And we don't have time to look at all of them tonight, but I want to focus in primarily on some of the issues of David's personal life. Because as I look around the room tonight, I don't think that very many of you are going to be kings, okay, uh, or, or queens. I don't think that very many of you are going to be warriors leading, leading, you know, the charge up the hill. Or no, not, not in that sense. But each one of us have a personal life that we need to deal with that God's intimately aware of. And the same battles that David faced are the same battles you and I are facing even tonight. I want you to focus on his personal life. We find his personal life, a family life, both of them in absolute turmoil. Absolute turmoil. I won't ask for a raise of hands to see how many lives are in absolute turmoil either, because we know it's so common. The, the story of David, and you can turn there. We're not going to go through all the verses, but you can just kind of flip through and kind of gaze at them as we go. But we, we find really the, the beginning of, of David, or at least the understanding of who he is in, in Psalm, or 1 Samuel chapters 16 and chapter 17, as again, God has called for the end of Saul's reign, and he tells Samuel, hey look, I want you to go, and I want you to go and anoint the one that I'm going to point out to you as the new king of Israel. And so he leads him to, to Jesse's house, and Jesse brings all of his boys out and brings them before Samuel, and Samuel looks at all these boys and said, you know what, none of these guys are clicking, none of these guys are clicking. Uh, do you have any other sons? 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. I got this one guy, the little ruddy one. Uh, we left him out with the sheep because he's just not very important. He's not impressive. Uh, he's really not worth bringing to you, O man of God. Well, Samuel says, no, go get him. Turns out that is the one that he is anointed as king of Israel. You see, even as a youth, his family didn't expect much out of him. Not Neither his father nor his brother's. And yet, God had great plans for him. We see as he grows a little bit older, well, we could get into the whole Goliath thing, but we're not going to. We can see as he grows a little bit older, again, a father-in-law who wants to kill him. That's chapters 18 all through chapter 31 of First. Samuel, this whole battle between he and Saul. On one hand, he's a musician who calms the nerves of Saul. On the other hand, Saul is so frustrated because uh, David has killed his tens of thousands and uh, Saul has only killed his thousands. So, and that's his father-in-law that's trying to, you know, uh, play pin the uh, pin David to the wall kind of thing. Any of you have in-law problems at all? Uh, take take heart from David, okay? He had an arranged marriage where his wife totally disrespects him because of his freedom in worship. We see that in 1 Samuel chapter 18 and also in 2 Samuel chapter 6. The fact that he has the arranged marriage and then a little bit later he comes in worshiping the Lord and he's got a He's wearing an ephod, we don't really know. Uh, but anyway, she says, hey, you exposed yourself to all these young ladies. And he says, you know what? I was just being humble before the Lord. I was in worship to the Lord. I really didn't care about anybody else. And she had this disdain for David, and the Lord took care of uh, Michael. You know, She never had any children after that. He had one of those marriages also that stemmed from an adulterous affair. Uh, again, the adulterous affair with, with Bathsheba, and we know that they produced a child in trying to cover up this whole thing. You remember, he, he brought her husband, Uriah, in from the, from the battlefield and said, hey, why don't you just spend the night? And yet Uriah was a more righteous guy than David was at that point. He says, hey, how can I go and, and find comfort in the arms of my wife while my buddies are still out there fighting? So he slept outside the king's door that night. David tries to get him drunk and says, hey, go sleep with your wife. Go home. And Uriah says, hey, I cannot do that. So again, he finally gives Uriah this sealed note and says, here, take this to Joab, the leader of my armies. He takes the note to Joab. Joab opens it up and David had said, hey, take Uriah, put him at the very front of the battle, in the heat of the battle, and then pull all the men back. Joab knew exactly what David wanted to do. He wanted to murder Uriah. So not only adultery that, 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 that they conceived a baby with, but now murder that he's committing, taking great advantage of his position as king. Uriah was murdered by David by, I think they call it friendly fire, don't they? And then also we find that the child dies shortly after that too, and that's in Second Samuel chapters 11 and 12. Then within David's own home front, Within his own children. They're so disconnected from each other. They're so disconnected from any kind of a relationship with God that one of his sons, Amnon, rapes one of his daughters, Tamar. Uh, and Ammon and Tamar, they're, they're like half brother and sister, different mothers, same father. Then Tamar's full brother, Absalom, finds out about it. Then he tricks and deceives Amnon 
to bring him to a party and then they kill him. We're so glad you took the time to listen to The Open Word. Pastor David has been sharing studies on biblical characters, each varied and full of lessons we can benefit from. Though these characters lived long ago, their stories, emotions, and responses to situations mirror those that we have today. Their lives may not be as different from our own as we'd expect. If you'd like to explore more character studies, we'd encourage you to visit our website, theopenword.com. Just click on Teachings at the top of the page to find our library of past messages. While you're at our website, you'll be able to learn more about Pastor David and the heart behind the ministry of The Open Word. Pastor David is the senior pastor at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, and he'd like to extend to you a personal invitation before our time is up today. Oh, absolutely. We here at Calvary Chapel Casa Grande, we've got a seat waiting for you at our worship services. Come by on Saturday or Sunday or even Wednesday if you like. And we guarantee you'll meet some smiling faces and discover more about Jesus. We're nothing special as a church, just a diverse group of Jesus-loving people who delight in the challenge of the truth of God's Word. Come as you are, and you'll fit right in. You'll be able to find out more about us when you visit our website, theopenword.com. Thanks, Pastor David. That website, once more, is theopenword.com. Just follow the link to our church's homepage. We're excited to see you. Thanks for tuning in today to The Open Word. 